Welcome back to the Return the Picks podcast, where once again we're trying to win some money through gambling on the NFL and failing quite miserably, because as always, with an 0-15 start to the season, myself, Ollie Wilson, Jazz Gillam and Dave Bluck failed to make any money on our week five predictions. So we're hoping that our guest this week will be able to give us a hand. A very good friend of myself and Dave's. Not so much of jazz, I think. Uh, Alex Martin, Yogi, as he's known, joined us on the podcast this week. A uh, former coach at Somerset Wyverns, a former player of American football at the university level and brick ball level as well here in the UK, and a big Raiders fan as well. So it was great timing for him to be staying at my house so we could chat all things John Gruden. Isn't that just fortuitous? Uh, so sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast as we kick off talking all things Gruden and everything else in the big wide world of American football with Yogi. Over the middle, picked off! Sees it, fired, intercepted! Blitz coming. Pass is picked off! He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off! Back the other way! John Gruden has been sending emails over the last 10 to 7 years, I think it was, that I read. And not many of them are yeah. great for public viewing. Not, they don't paint him in a positive light, do they? <laughs> yeah, well, that's covered that. that. Yeah, that's definitely... That's it. Yeah, not positive. <laughs> definitely not. Um, no. <laughs> Yogi, as a Raiders fan... Thoughts... Happy, sad. Um, I mean, Gruden wasn't doing exactly a bang-up job. That sounds like you're about I don't know, to cry. Like, I'm, I said to Stumps about it when we signed Gruden that I wasn't that bought into it. And the last two years, he's looked like a coach from 2008 playing in an NFL that was moved on. Obviously, yeah. the emails are bad, you know, particularly in the current climate. So he had to go. But I do think the Raiders jumped on that as an opportunity, cut their loss, uh, save 60 million and move on. Oh, do you reckon he doesn't get yeah, his well, payout? I guess because resignation. Resigned with cause. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice way to get out of a lot yeah. of money for, uh, for Vegas Raiders. 100 million? 100 million, 10 years? year deal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Gruden doesn't get Gruden's probably. I think mm. I've read though somewhere that Gruden has been given some sort of kind of payout. It's just not the full extent of his contract. So this has still saved them yeah. a fair bit of money going forward. Uh, I mean, it's really dumb. Obviously, using that sort of vocabulary and work emails. It's interesting how it all came out though, because Washington were being investigated, and Washington have so much crap around yeah. them, particularly when it comes to offensive racial wording and things like that. And then. Yeah, and then and they open up John Gruden's emails in the inbox and go, oh, this is just as bad or maybe even worse. Okay, let's start with this one first and we'll deal with Washington later. We'll put that on the back burner and go with that. Um, I don't think... It does It's not that bad for the organisation though, right? Because these are all done before he was on no. their books and if they didn't know about it, they can't do anything. So as a well, franchise, the Vegas Raiders come away with it okay wasn't the yeah. thing with the cheerleaders 
you know, that came out about Washington where they were kind of being forced into topless posing with so yeah. sexual acts almost, I yes. Think that he'd received copies of those photos and things like that. And I would have been uh, close to or the beginning when of he his reign. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those like they kind of mentioned these emails and they kind of said oh there's some racist tropes and then it became misogynism and then they started to release these and it was like every time it hit the news it was getting a little bit worse Mm. it was interesting though Brandon Staley the Chargers head coach has been asked directly about it in his press conference this week and he's made quite a like impassioned speech about how None of this is acceptable and I feel very sorry for the people that would be offended by those comments and that's who we need to think about rather than thinking about John Gruden and what's happening to him at this time. We should think about that. And Yogi was saying, uh, was it Carr you said came out with this? Yeah, so he had his interview. Obviously, they are quite close and they had a really strong relationship. Um, And he went for the you hate the sin but love the sinner type line. But then he came out with this thing just saying maybe for owners, coaches and executives, they should just have open emails that the NFL can kind of audit. And I think he was like, oh, if I say this, there's going to be a lot of people sweating and that's a problem. And CBS had a big piece about... Is this just an eye-opener into the culture of NFL, particularly the older head coaches, which you can definitely see being a thing. Yeah, imagine what Andy Reid or Bruce I, Arians Andy Reid doesn't come across as that guy, though. Maybe Bruce Arians. <laughs> Bruce Arians. But everyone says Maybe he's a, a stand-up bit. guy. I mean, the thing with Gruden as well, it was interesting that on Sunday night game day or whatever it is on NBC, Sunday the Sunday evening show that is the precursor to Sunday night football, they both... Tariko, who worked with him obviously at ESPN for years, and Coach Dungy came out and said, this is not a reflection of the person that John Gruden is. We've worked with him for a long time. And like adamantly backed him straight away, which was kind of interesting that they were kind of siding with him, which does that he's obviously done something ridiculously stupid and it's offensive language to use and it's not acceptable in work or in or outside of work or anything like that. But the language used may not necessarily reflect the whole character of John Gruden, I think, is what. But and, and it's just and it's yeah. just he's being well, an Darren idiot in that boys' too. club. In the same way that if you went inside any Premier League football locker yeah. room, you'd probably hear some absolutely horrendous things. But they keep the image clean in front of the cameras as much as they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But isn't that a problem in and of itself? And I think, particularly with this Gruden thing, it's over ten years, right? That's not like this guy made a mistake and now he's changed. We're not looking at historic tweets that somebody sent when they were an 18 year old in college. You know, this is a guy who's consistently made these kind of comments over a really long time. And that changes that a little bit for me. It's not like he lost his shit and had a bit of a rant or he said something stupid like, clearly he just hates women and minorities and has just been on that for 10 years <laughs> yeah i mean the, the demora smith thing he said about the uh the thick lips mm. that's excessively racist yeah, even not, just by the point of i mean point yeah. out his color at all but there's no way to say that if you didn't like him or thought he's useless just say he's useless that's it whether he's white black hispanic asian 
If it's just yeah, as his job, the same it's just the Michael Sam thing. It's not like he said, "I'm worried that we're pushing an issue over quality of players." Yeah. He was like, "He needs to stay out of this league and stop forcing us to draft queers." Like, that's that. That's. Yeah. yeah, it's not a good way to be phrasing things, John. <laughs> oh, oh, did you not see that, that one? Have you not either. read any of these? I knew it was the Morris Smith. I've not, I've not read all the extra things. I just keep seeing that he's been more and more things have come out. I know he's it's misogynistic, yeah. homophobic, and racist. Great triumvirate. Um, but I only saw the Demoris Smith bit. After that, I thought I don't really want to see what is read or written. Yeah, because it's just and every time I see one, it seems a little bit worse. Like he calls out. Goodell and he's like he's an anti-foot pussy anti-football pussy and you're like okay uh maybe you know he doesn't like the guy whatever but then yeah the thick lips calling out the michael sam stuff and you're just there like, were a lot of Ooh. f-bombs in there as well yeah. surrounding Groot and uh, sorry around uh, surrounding oh, yeah. Goodell and a number of other people as well yeah it's i mean nobody said it was pretty reading at all it's <laughs> it's horrendous um so, but then is this bad. just a culture that's going to be weaned out, hopefully, of the NFL as the older generation of head coaches moves on and is further away from that attitude? This is, uh, is it more of a reflection on the older society that we have rather than just the NFL? Because as I say, I'm convinced that you can go back through loads of email transcripts from loads of head coaches in loads of sports and find very similar wording because they think it's a private email or something like that and it will be there yeah 100% yeah guaranteed because people think that we're talking to your friends you're talking to someone you know who's ever going to see this no one's going to see this it's just for my eyes and their eyes so I can say whatever I want and get away with it Um, I think what they've learned now is that that's not the case and they need to be careful with everything they say to everyone because not only are you representing yourself and you have to make sure that you're also cleaner than clean because you're in the public eye you're representing a league a sport a sport full of minorities and it's trying to be inclusive at every turn because it has to be by doing that you undermine the progress and the the process they're having so i mean imagine how carl nasib feels given that he saw what he wrote about michael sam and then he came out as openly gay and he's on the team it's you just you it's just mind boggles i don't know I started out in work and was told pretty early, like work emails aren't private. So Mm -hmm. it's just that, like, why would you even, I mean, beyond the thing that it's abhorrent what he was saying, it's just stupid Mm. to put that on a work email on such a big brand and organization. And as you say, like we are moving into a place as a society as a society where <laughs> you go, go in the end <laughs> you know where these kind of things aren't acceptable and it's not okay to be like well i just hold these views yeah. in private or whatever like it's just not okay and as you say the nfl is so overwhelmingly minority dominated as players yeah and you talk about the slavery angle and the modern things and the draft being a modern slave auction etc and then you've literally got a white privileged millionaire head coach putting this stuff in writing like he's untouchable. Yeah. And I just don't think that flies anymore. I agree. It's, it's a worry in some yeah. ways that it ever did fly, isn't it? It's a trouble. I think this happened in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. It's a private, he it's didn't private say the views. Wrong. He's not actually discriminating been. against these people. Yeah. 
But in the 80s, they'd be okay about it because yeah. the 80s, everyone was yeah, even 10 years ago, racist. people have been like, oh, it's just banter. They'd have brought out that horrendous word of like, oh, he was just bantering with locker his mates room talk. or anything like that. And it's like, yeah, the locker room talk actually isn't yeah. acceptable. Like, it's not, yeah. But, but I, as I say, I just still guarantee there's still a lot of that sort of discussion going on in locker rooms at the moment with coaches at the moment. And there are, as Carr said, yep. as, as Yogi and I discussed earlier, there are a lot of people in the NFL that would not want those sorts of emails to be coming out and being public knowledge that they've sent in the past 10, 15 years or so because they will all be extremely worried on their work email address about that going to the public, let alone going into their WhatsApps or anything like that. So it's interesting yeah, I mean, how the NFL will approach it now. Is, is... Will they actually do a big internal investigation of a load of like well, i mean it. it would take forever to go through every work email in the nfl over the last 10 years but if you wanted to you could go in there and you could find stuff on a lot get, of people get a supercomputer control f bunch of Look, <laughs> bunch of racial slurs they, they only have terms. they only yeah. have three billion they Easy. can't afford a supercomputer the nfl needs to expand <laughs> more which is they, they're trying to grow the game in europe so much and increase the revenue so they can afford it, but it would also be suicide from the, the NFL to do that yeah. as well, right? Particularly for the ownership. Mm. When you think to, was it the Clippers last oh, year in yeah, the NBA? Yeah. Like four years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where they, well, their <laughs> owner had sent a bunch of racist emails. Uh, and voice messages, I believe, as well. Yeah. yeah. And basically the players and, and their head coach was African-American as well, wasn't he? So yeah. they were just like, we're not playing for this guy. Um, the NBA investigated, like the players were refusing to go and to the court. Um, yeah, right. Fair enough. And they forced him to sell his owners. It forced him to sell the team and were like, you can't be involved. And I think yeah. they kind of acted like that was an isolated incident. But you look at the ownership mm. of the NFL, that they're all billionaire, old school white guys. That's not going to be isolated. Oh, not all of them. You've got so, Michael yeah, Jordan there. Are, we, well, are we basically saying that we kind of want, seeing as how strong the Cowboys have started this year, that maybe an investigation into the private emails of Dallas might be a, quite a useful one to slow down the Cowboys winning the NFC East and looking like they're going to be a playoff team. Just throwing it out there as an Eagles fan, we could start with the Cowboys as their America's team and see how squeaky clean they actually are. Yeah, I mean Jerry. Jones. I'd like that too. But the thing as well with it too, the shit that's on there. <laughs> yeah, Jerry yeah. Jones is. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you don't even want to imagine that, do you? Is the thing. But I mean, the 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 emails from Bruce Allen at the Washington Football Team is like six hundred and fifty thousand of them. So they've already found Gruden and nailed him. So you just think maybe there's going to be a domino effect. They'll keep finding more people through this. If it stays at the Gruden, then it's worrying. It's like it's. Like, why is he the only isolated yeah, that'd be incident? Really bad. Is this like a we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. throw up a sacrificial lamb? The NFL throws up the sacrificial lamb. We found actually a load of these, but yeah. we can get a few other people out of the way with it. And yeah, yeah, you'd expect more names to suddenly be brought in. Who yeah. were these emails to, and what the, were the responses as well? That'd be the other thing. Be interesting to see what the individuals responded yeah. to Gruden's emails with. Well, it was with. The is this, I've forgotten his name. The uh, Redskins executive, because he was. I can't believe you used that word while we're trying. Oh, Bruce, I think unbelievable. Bruce Allen, we're gonna have to bleep that out. Dave says it every week. He loves oh, it. He man. loves it. 
it's just learned behavior there, isn't it? Like, sorry. The Chargers will always be from San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still say Oakland Raiders occasionally. I still and, and, say San Diego. But yeah. Ollie said that at the start, yeah. so yeah. you can't So talk, Washington so. football team executive, it was emails between go. him and Gruden, right? So Gruden. as you say, it's who yeah. else he's been talking to. And I think he was an executive at the Raiders early in his career. So that's where that kind of link right. comes from. And then Gruden, as his color commentator, was kind of working with him. What do you know about Rich yeah. Bisakia then, Yokes, as a, as a diehard Raiders fan, the new interim head coach and special teams coordinator? It's a weird, weird one for me because instantly I thought we were going to get Gus, Gus Bradley, previous head coach experience, you know, all of that. Um, Apparently, the players love Bisakia. Bisakia? Bisaka. Bisakia? Bisakia? B-I-S-A-C-C-I-A. Yeah. Bisakia. It's a bread. It's an Italian bread. Give us some, this, a piece of... Uh, let's get some olive oil. <laughs> I can and eat some bread. Um, <laughs> there we are. That, about racial that, stereotypes. That's not a racial, that Olly sounds like a piece of bread. Oh, I'll have a nice piece of Bisakia to go along with the uh, penne alla rabbiata. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing? It's only bad if he's from Italian-American heritage, right? Because Italians only eat pasta as well, of course. Don't they like venison as well, and pizza, and meat, and I love Italian food and culture. I've been around Rome loads of times. Carbs on carbs. Yeah, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Many would say I've lived off that for a long period of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Apparently the players love him, and he's a proper, like, man-manager... He's Greg Olson's going to take over the play calling. I think the real thing is the players need to kind of rally together now. We're not 10 games into this season and sucking. We've kind of, we've done well, potentially exceeded expectations over the first three games. Mm. We've still got a lot to play for. Like we can still get into the playoffs. We're one game off the first place in the division Kansas oh, should have been the Bears last week. As I well. mean, and the week before against the Chargers, we seem to have had one where we've done like defensively okay and offensively it's been dog shit. And then we've come in the next week and yeah. done this, and we just Vice can't put versa. them together. Yeah. But now do you get a free hit as a team for the rest of this season because of the turmoil? If the you know the probably group can't find a way to rally around together. I mean, look, we've seen stranger things where teams in sport in general, like there's some sort of adversity, the players group together, it does create a tight-knit group and it it brings out the best of them. But like something like this isn't going to be great for locker room discussion, locker room confidence, and a coach that you thought was going to be around for another six years, suddenly the whole plan goes up in smoke because it was Mike Mayock and John Gruden's 10-year plan. Mayock does the drafting, Gruden does the coaching, the Raiders do the winning in the new stadium and end up getting a Lombardi trophy back in there at some point. But is it now a free hit? I mean, if you lose to Philadelphia, there'll be big questions in week seven because that's, that's pitiful if you end up losing to those chumps. So. Well, we've got the Broncos up next, right? And they've had a cakewalk to their, mm. to their win. What are they like? The, the, the opponents they've been a combined like 12, oh and 12, sorry. So yeah, they we, played the yeah. Jaguars like four times, I think, in the first six <laughs> season. So. <laughs> so like that's got to be the first one for us, and particularly if Kansas 
keep underperforming, we should be able to challenge in that division. So do you think the Chiefs are underperforming or they've just been figured out? I don't think you figure out... Nobody figures out Andy Reid in the first six to eight weeks of a season and no one has figured out Patrick Mahomes just yet. And I think it's an... I think it's an underperforming. Well, I think it's an under underperforming defense with a change in style from Andy Reid and Mahomes. Actually, isn't necessarily the best way they want to work it. Because we spoke about it last week about how they were moving more this year to running the ball a bit more, a bit more of a dink and dunk offense rather than just slinging it left, right, and center like they have done because that's what they think teams are expecting. So they're trying to adjust. And maybe they just don't quite have the personnel and they need to revert back to type and go with what definitely works. And does that happen now? Is it Edwards Hilaire? Ceh, yeah. So he's he's out. Yeah, sprained his MCL or something. So he's going to be out for a few weeks now. So you're bringing in Damian Williams. Do they move away from that, Daryl Williams? Daryl Williams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Daryl Williams. Damian's the one at the 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 oh, Bears that yeah, beat you last week. Here's <laughs> here's how you can remember it. You're welcome. Is that he yeah. was on the winning team against the Raiders <laughs> last Raiders, week. That's yeah. how against you... the Raiders. So now I'm going to put out this as a theory. You're talking about how they're dinking and dunking and running the ball. It's probably because teams are no longer rushing five or six players to try and get to Mahomes. They realize, just sit back. Don't let the deep ball beat you. Make them beat you in front of you. And then they find, of course, they'll find Kelsey for 15 catches and 100 yards or whatever, or every game. That's fine. But they're unlikely to beat you on the ground because the O-line isn't really good enough. And they're not really got enough talent outside of Tyreek Hill at receiver, fundamentally, to really punish you with speed. So you can happily drop seven or eight, watch and see what happens. Give them all day. Let them throw a ball and just think it's going to go there. And there's enough defenders around the area to try and make a pick. Well, that's why he's had so many the picks human this year. Second chance, last year. Josh Gordon. So, <laughs> I mean, how that yeah. guy gets more gigs in the NFL is beyond me. But I, I think you're right about like Miko Hardman, Tyree Kill. But they do kind of miss. It's weird to say they do kind of miss Sammy Watkins. They that's really like miss the third Sammy Watkins. threat in that kind of middle ground slashing across the centre of the field. But he can go long as well. So Sammy Watkins gave you the choice of having an underneath, an intermediate, or a deep route. McCall Hardman is going to go deep. So is Tyreek Hill. Kelsey's going to occupy whichever space he finds. So you have to have your, your third receiver there. It has to be clever. has to be elusive. It has to be a really That's... good slot receiver, effectively. They could do with a, you know, an, like an Edelman type of player or Wes Welker that can just Cole move Beasley, the chains and keep things moving. Not getting any everyone's locking up around Kelsey. Yeah, or Beasley. He's been really slow to start if you've yeah. got him in fantasy. But still, like Demarcus Robinson, Miko Hardman, and Tyreek Hill should be enough of a triple threat with Kelsey as well that this offense can get the ball moving. Is it just? I, I think it's just a case they need to start stretching the field again properly, and really start start using Mahomes' cannon. Like it's all very nice. Oh, let's do a little underarm, underneath pass. Like blah blah blah. Throw me sixty-five yard bombs again, Patrick. Let's see that going once more. Let's get a bit of intensity back into it because it feels slow. And if we, if it's slow, it doesn't have that spark. And if it doesn't have the spark, it's not that intimidating. So if a defense isn't as intimidated because they see dink and dunk and running games all over the place, and it's not a running game that... It's not a Derek Henry in the backfield. So you're not that intimidated by the running game anyway, as you say, Jazz. And, and then, yeah, I think some of it still comes down onto that defense that is ridiculously underperforming. And Steve Spagnuolo needs to do what he's done the last two years, which is have them improve as the season goes on. 
which is much easier said than done, of course. But going back to teams figuring them out, if you look at the Ravens when they went and Lamar won the MVP and their mm-hmm. offense was unstoppable and they played the Titans in the playoffs, Titans shut it down completely. After that, that offense has not been anywhere near as electric as it was. Fast forward to the Super Bowl last year, you've got the Bucks taking on the Chiefs and they figured them out. Hence why the the Bucks won and managed to stifle the offense almost entirely. So that gives you every team in the league a blueprint to go away and study and try and figure out how to utilize that and make that work. And then they say That's why things happen. You figured out Lamar, but he's having a hell of a year. This year he is, yeah. But then two years previous, well, last so year good. there was the whole thing about how they were calling the Raiders' offensive plays in the defense as they were lining up on the line of scrimmage, like that was happening in in certain games, and. But Lamar's just gone up another level, unfortunately. They've started... Oh, my God, Lamar Jackson can throw. Like, he... But by all accounts, he has improved... <laughs> like, he's worked in the off-season, finally, on his passing game, which is what a good quarterback should do. I mean, it just more vindicates my whole idea that a run-first quarterback doesn't necessarily win you championships, but it will get you all the fans in the world because it's exciting. But Lamar now is doing a combination of both, and this is now why the Ravens look threatening if they could just get a bit more run game support, right? Yeah, because it's that move from being run first to being a quarterback who can run and break that game open. And that's yes. where he is right now. You know, he's yeah. a top 10 passer. He's a top 10 rusher. Like that triple threat. So double threat. Uh, dual dual threat. threat. There we go. Yeah. It brings you stuff, right? And you can do that because if you sit back and stop his passing, he's going to run on you. If you stack the box to stop him doing that and keep him in the pocket he can now pass on you yeah it also helps that Hollow oh, Brown's yeah. been able to find a lot more space and then mm. getting him much more involved in the offense just, I think the thing they were missing last year was having a him just as a deep ball and deep out because lots of the time when the play breaks down he's usually free because he's just so and fast got, is it Edwards their tight end Andrews. So like, Andrews. He's had a really good few yeah. games, and it's similar to that. Yeah, well, He got all the points last year. Yeah. And last it's similar month, to that. Kelsey, week, <laughs> Kelsey place in it. You've yeah, got Hollywood week. Brown stretching yeah. that stuff, and then you've got him picking up the space underneath. Yeah. And Sammy yeah. Watkins doing so the Ra- well for The Ravens too. are a threat again. Um, the Chargers are... Oh, well, Herbert, man. oh yeah, here we go. My favorite oh. bit of the podcast every week. <laughs> I mean, Herbert <laughs> and Brady both put up exceptional weekends last weekend. Except Brady only had to do it against the yep. trash Dolphins, and Herbert just looked awesome. I mean, every single week I'm like, okay, I need to lay off Justin Herbert a bit because I'm too over the top with how good I think he is, and and then he just goes and puts up what was it? Five touchdowns of 430 yards or something, wasn't it? And it was like 35 was or 41. Or that something. game was insane. Yeah, yeah just money. Like absolute yeah. cash money. The Chargers are at the, the first time that I think they've genuinely had a pr- real Super Bowl window chances. Like playoffs with Rivers, you always wanted them to Ooh. do it. But I don't know if I ever believed that they could like beat the Patriots in Foxborough or anything like that. Whereas I think this Chargers team can go anywhere at the moment and intimidate and not be fearful of anybody that comes up against them. Can I just clarify? We didn't want them to do it in the playoffs, especially with <laughs> Philip Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's a dick. But 
going on that though, and there's a 2007 season when they got to the AFC Championship game against the Patriots with the Randy Moss and Wes Welker offense, and Philip Rivers was playing on a ACL that wasn't there anymore, and the best player, Ladainian Tomlinson, was on the sideline with a sprained yeah. ACL and he couldn't run properly. So they may have had a better opportunity that's in that year. Really years ago now, I mean, that's like for a team. That, oh no, yeah. I'm yeah, but just you, you can't say there's there's no playoff window because they had yeah, one okay. where they almost made. Ironically, it to the big game. him getting that surgery because what didn't he tear it? Got surgery and then played the following week. He probably. Yeah. I mean, it looked great compared to LT sat on there with his hood up and the visor. Um, and Philip Rivers was like slugging it out in obvious pain, but he couldn't throw, he couldn't move. I think, you know, he potentially cost them that game by trying to force it out there. Possibly. I mean, and people who at the time were criticizing LT for not going up and playing, well, if he can't run and can't change directions because he's got no ACL, for back. What use is he anyway? <laughs> yeah, it's very important, isn't it? And then if the injury goes out and injures it even further and does what Philip Rivers yeah. did, had the surgery and goes back out, he's just going to shorten his career further. And a running back's career is already short. I mean, Philip Rivers never relied upon his legs. I thought I saw the man take five steps and that was just his drop and never ran out of the pocket, really. Mm. That's just not... And that the other thing is Eckler is, what, a top 10 rushing back now as well? Seventh or something in yardage? Yeah, and ridiculously versatile. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to be honest. And Mike Williams has yeah. come to play. He's been an absolute stud as well this year. That I makes mean, a yeah, big difference. I mean, Mike Williams steps up. Yeah. Keenan Allen's always a threat anyway. Jared Cook coming in this year as well. The tight end's just been a useful pair of hands and great yeah. experience. There's a great relationship between Herbert and Eckler. The defense has improved, as I say. I mean... Like the Browns are meant to be everything that the Chargers have become in a very quick period of time, and the Browns are still missing to be what the Chargers are right now, the quarterback. Because their run game is what's going to get them through and to any sort of potential playoff spots. And like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just put the whole thing on their back. And we saw Chubb was a Chubb was a savage again this <laughs> yeah. weekend as as he always is. But it's Baker Mayfield. It's just. Even when he has a good game, he wasn't bad this weekend, but he got so outshone that it makes you think Baker's not been that great. And he just doesn't have that next level looking like a superstar that often in his locker compared to the guys that are actually looking like next level superstars who already are, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like Josh Allen, Wait, he's a Baker he's Mayfield. Amazing. He's a Baker Mayfield. He's a yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. I know. No, just because yeah. Oli hates Josh Allen. Every he's every week he tells us how stuff, much though. he's terrible. And every week Josh Allen. <laughs> that's, yeah. Just look at his fantasy to, team. This isn't the fantasy football podcast. We can save that for the uh, fantasy football special we will never do. There's no need to discuss fantasy football ever. <laughs> it's not a thing. It doesn't matter. No, I think you're right, though. I think that Mayfield fundamentally has not proved enough yet. And I do wonder why Odell Beckham is still so either underutilised can't get open or just isn't getting thrown to there seems to be a lack of chemistry a lack of understanding a lack of something mm. between him and Mayfield and it maybe it's time for Odell to maybe find another team again because he's doing nothing at the Browns I'm sure he's getting a wonderful payday but I'm sure he'd rather try and get a payday after think, this one what did he tore his ACL he's an elusive dukey yeah. speed guy I don't know I just feel like you tear up your ACL have surgery you're not going to walk back in with that same explosiveness same ability to jink and jank and you know take that 10 yard catch 75 yards 
Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So do you think it's down to him not getting open enough then? I just wonder, maybe he's running, <laughs> maybe he's running, or maybe, maybe well he's running okay. slightly That's different. fine too. <laughs> maybe he's running around slightly differently, at a different pace, so the chemistry and the link up isn't there. Yeah, but I mean, the thing with that, if he, if it's a different pace, he's had all off season to run yeah, with true. him and see what's happening. And now five weeks of a season, so you can't use that as an excuse. Because it was there with his ridiculous hands making those, you know, he was a safety valve. You could dump it off seven yards and he might take it for a touchdown. And if you got in trouble, you could wing it up there and he might make a ridiculous catch. Yeah. If you don't have that confidence as a quarterback, particularly for Mayfield, who's had issues with ball security do you then get worried about winging it and and going that like putting all your eggs in the in the OBJ? That's fair. Yeah. Maybe it's that Baker Mayfield's just not very good. That's very fair. And Dave needs to stop championing him every single podcast. That I think that's either. yeah. It is looking a I little think that's bit it. like that. Yeah. And also, yeah. I think that might also come from yeah. look. I know Herbert again went in very early, much like Baker did, and everything like that. But Herbert had a better setup around him. But these younger guys that go into not great teams and get kind of forced to try and carry them for a season or half a season in their first year do they ever come out looking as good as maybe a guy that goes into a decent position so has more confidence in his early play so doesn't get disillusioned as much I mean just to use this to go off somewhere else Zach Wilson this week was oh so bad to watch at Wembley a horrendous quarterback yeah it was pretty bad of holding the ball too long making bad decisions and for him to be out there at the moment is a complete waste for him and for that Jets team because he isn't good enough to elevate them into a decent position offensively, especially that they've got almost no run game aside from rookie Michael Carter is having to drag them along a bit. And he's not good so that he can't elevate them and they can't elevate him because they don't have the personnel to do it. Like the number of times they were checking plays at the line of scrimmage and, you know, the first, I mean, the first half was littered with what, three or four timeouts where both Atlanta or the Jets couldn't line up correctly, so they had to call it either coaches for New York or for uh, Matt Ryan to get pissed off with Zacchaeus or somebody. But um, but yeah, I just think it's a complete waste of time having these guys in at this point. And if you see that you're in a position like right now that it's not good enough, it's not going to work, I'd take Zach Wilson out because they're not going to go to the playoffs, this Jets team. I'd put somebody else in to be your cadden fodder and I'd have Zach Wilson taking extra reps still with the first team offense in training and getting himself prepared for NFL football but do you need a quarterback who can actually kind of teach him help bring him along demonstrate that you know we talked about it yesterday the one I always go to is the Alex Smith Aaron Rodgers Mm. Aaron Rodgers is you know in my opinion generational talent he's brilliant but he had what three years sitting behind Brett Favre Yep. You reverse those yes, two situations and you put Aaron Rodgers into that absolute dog shit 49ers team. With a new head coach, a new offensive scheme and coordinator yeah. every year like, for how four does that or five work? years. And similar to Derek Carr, right? Like he came in, he wasn't going to start. He started, he had three offensive coordinators in his first three years. Yeah, how are you meant to settle and work yeah. yourself into a, a decent position in offense? And not to mention the speed increase and all of those things we talk about it you know you're playing in college even in the sec you're playing against some butt pickers right there are no yes bad players in the nfl when you compare it to that so the closing speed particularly looking at free safeties and stuff like oh i've got a window 
but you don't because they're a second or two faster. So that half a second extra of holding the ball, whatever, that has such a big impact. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, you I totally don't agree with get that. any time to learn that because you're into such a competitive situation and then you're judged instantly on those results. Yeah. I mean, some QBs when they've come in as rookies have not done very well, but gone on to be like Josh Allen. fantastic. Case. I mean, I didn't think he did too bad as a rookie, in fairness. He's looking a like little, a uh, cat in, front of the, way. in the middle of the M25 when he was in the playoffs and chucking the ball over his head and generally making really bad decisions like he continues <laughs> to do so, but that Bills defense yeah, gets him out, and a couple of brain him out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. It's just what happens. But if you look at Peyton Manning, when he came into the league, he currently still holds the record for the most number of interceptions yeah. as a rookie with 28 in a 16-game season. So that's a player who's... I'm sure they would have said similar things about but him they, as about Zach Wilson they knew currently. However, Peyton going into the league that Peyton Manning was probably going to be Peyton Manning, right? I mean, that was that's no, easy like, to say that now. There, there are some people like Peyton Manning, like uh, Andrew Luck, who unfortunately we didn't get to see exactly everything, but like again looked like an incredible young prospect. But Zach Wilson didn't even have that hype around him. If there's contention over who the number one pick is, then it's not they're not a Peyton Manning. And Zach Wilson leapt up in the QB rankings for a glitzy rollout to his left during pro day and then fling it across back across the field to his right for a long bomb downfield. And suddenly you saw every single QB at their pro day doing the exact same thing to try and get on that same hype train that started with Zach Wilson with BYU. And that that created the hype and hysteria around him that then makes Jets fans want to see him as the starting quarterback for the beginning of the season and puts pressure on the ownership and the organization to have him starting when he it was clearly not ready. The only player that you could argue that could have been ready to start is Trevor Lawrence because everybody said Trevor Lawrence is the generational talent. He was the only one coming out of college that's like he's a franchise changer if he lives up to what he could be, like Peyton Manning was. So you can have a year of Peyton Manning-esque crud and then start to fit in the pieces around and build with Trevor Lawrence. And that's a really difficult thing to do because if Trevor Lawrence gets beaten around too much, gets disillusioned, gets frustrated, doesn't know how to lose and can't deal with losing, like he's going to lose a lot this year, then that messes him up. Then that messes him up as a quarterback. Whereas Manning at least also then was able to create the mental fortitude to himself. And you don't know how a player is going to react. Are they going to react like a Peyton Manning or are they going to react like a Ryan Leaf? And, And that's... Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing though, isn't it? You just, you can't say that people knew that they were going to be who they were going to be and say just because they're a consensus number one overall, yeah. because Manning wasn't a consensus number one overall. It was him or it was him or Leaf, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't Tim no, Couch. Tim Couch's year before? Yeah, but it was Manning Might have been Leaf. Then. That was the um, big, like, who's going to go number one? Manning Leaf. Yeah, and, and Ryan Leaf says himself that if he'd gone into the Colts and Manning had gone into where he went, Chargers. which it was the Browns yeah. or the Chargers? Doesn't matter. Chargers. Uh, he said that the way it was going from a this college team was far more professional than the Chargers were at that point, so it was almost impossible to do anything because he was in a really bad situation and unfortunately he didn't have the skills, the maturity, or the professionalism at that point in his life to change that. And I mean, if you go back to number one consensus overall picks without having to throw more shade at the Raiders, but Jamarcus Russell was Except a number one really consensus about overall that. pick. <laughs> Except anybody that. <laughs> Well, he's, he's, he's trying to 
beat down Zach Wilson's been terrible. I'm just saying that. I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm saying he's wasted being in a bad team things. at the moment when it would be smart to pull him out. In the same way that probably Jamarcus Russell shouldn't have gone in straight the from thing the get go. J Russ wasn't a laughable pick. Do you know what? Like it was a good pick. People no, I know. were talking about yeah. it. We looked at those videos. Yeah. You know, of him at LSU when he's got the two D line on him and winging it up in the air. And you looked at that and thought, this is great. And obviously it was a Raiders player because he was had a humongous arm. And we're ready. And, you know, that's what Al Davis likes. So, yeah, I don't know. But it's the fans. It's, it's the fans, I think, that drive this issue. And you can look at it, what, with the 49ers and Trey Lance? Mm-hmm. As soon as he came in, they were like, yep. Grappolo out, Trey Lance in, Grappolo goes down. Was it Trey Lance did a few little bits in relief? He ran one in and like three yards out. Ooh. Yeah. Watch out for this guy. And then they bring him in yeah. when Grappolo gets injured and what? He threw like 150 yards with like a 55 yard, 55 passer rating or something. Yeah. Zero touchdowns and an interception. And the more tape that teams get on these young guys as well, the even like the easier it is to pick them apart as a defense when they're still halfway through probably yeah. an offensive playbook that they're really comfortable with. Like there'll be part of parts of that playbook that like Trevor Lawrence won't be using yet, for instance, until the second half of the season that the Jags just won't feel confident in him to be able to run that offense correctly. Yeah. And is there a thing yeah. about resiliency with these guys? Because, you know, we've all been there losing in sports or whatever, and it's like, oh, you know, you learn more from the loss, the victory. He's lost two games in his career. Has he had to go through that? Has he had to have that real like man? Yeah, and the maturity. Sucks. We yeah, yeah. suck. How do we yeah. get better? How do we overcome it? And he probably hasn't. Well, no, yeah. he got actually used to that on draft night because the moment the Jags picked him, he was like, "This sucks. We suck." Oh no, having to deal with adversity straight from the get go and realize where he's landed. Yeah. What did you make of uh, Jazz the the London game in general? First, before you answer that i just want to say the an- the national anthem was better than any super bowl anthem that there's been sticking a woman on top of the freaking roof of the stadium blaring out the anthem that and then was, giving us a four yeah. five plane flyover which no one was expecting and then popping off red white and blue fireworks all around the roof of the stadium as well was intense and that yeah. stadium went from being like yeah the nfl's back to being like let's go let's go kind of yeah it got me really hyped up see i thought to myself are we gonna get a flyover and i was just i then nudged dave as i said i think we might get a flyover and he looks i'm smaller than he is he just laid, laid down slightly and looked at the floor oh, i was no. like oh you missed the planes because <laughs> as 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 he leaned down it's like oh the planes are there oh now you're gonna hear them but it's way oh, too late man. to see them because they're already gone but it was uh it's amazing i mean um Watching Catherine Jenkins do it on the field, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder where the American singer is. And then looked up at the sky where the... Uh, the crow's nest or the whatever Spurs, they call it. The cockroach's nest. The golden yeah. thingy is there. I thought, well, she's clearly yeah. trying to upstage someone here. Um, but it was really good. Oh. And that, yeah, the flyover was fantastic. I didn't realise how loud it would be. So it's the most it. American it thing not definitely, ever, though, is really it? Like... Oh, yeah. I mean, there was lots of things that were very American through the game that I'd forgotten happened, having not seen like a live what? NFL game for a while. That, I found oh the, the every first down with that horrible eagle uh, falcon sound. Sorry, that's another falcon's first yeah. down. Do you find Shut it weird with up. the London games? I guess like, geez, you've seen quite a lot of games in America, right? Yeah. I don't know if you have jazz. I've okay, never so been. So I've been I to a to. couple games out there. Not you know. I've been to see the Raiders in the worst game ever. It was raining. 
against the Browns and it was 9-6 and I was so hungover. <laughs> and there was nothing in that game to get me going. But it feels so much more like partisan in America. So like your offense is on the field and it's super quiet and the defense is there and everyone's getting riled up and you're like, here's another Raiders first down. And you know, everyone's going for it. I find when I go to the London games, it's like people who like football yeah. rather than people are there to see yeah. their team or whatever. And I, I've always found yeah. that a bit weird. So well, like, this year was good because people really got on the Falcons at times. Like there was a, quite a strong Jets contingent. Yeah, they were getting booed Atlanta. I mean, where I was sitting, there was Jets all Jets and hate the Falcons. I mean, I had people booing when the Falcons were doing anything. That. Nice, anything. <laughs> I thought this is a Falcons home game. Can you guys just be quiet? Let them have the home field advantage. I had we had a family of Saints fans behind us: a dad and a mum and three kids. Oh, I wish I'd been there. We're for American, Dave. and the uh, the kids. <laughs> clearly didn't really know what was going on and every time the big uh the, the boards the video screens got with any kind of words they would just shout them so when it was third down and the falcons were defending and it said get loud make noise get loud make noise they would literally in their little tiny american accents just shout as loud as they could get loud <laughs> make noise i just thought please be quiet there's no need for this and i had the, and the other thing that was really annoying there's a guy in the row in front of us, maybe four chairs down from me. So in my peripheral, peripheral vision, if I can speak English, the entire time. Every time there's a first down, he stands up and does the arm forward. Was he for every team? Was he doing the Didn't Elliot which team it was. cereal as Everything. well? Okay, that's there was, right. there was no there was no eating the cereal. I'd rather have him eat the cereal and maybe sat down <laughs> and shut up, and that would have been quite good. That was really annoying, and it really did fill me with a lot of um, annoyance at the level of disrespect in some way that the guy the people that were watching the game were showing the teams um the guy sat next to me hated the guy sat in front of me because he was a falcons fan and every time he stood up because he was happy about something he would shout sit down guy in front of us was german <laughs> didn't understand english just kept doing it it was Found a good bunch. an interesting experience and reminded me why I'd, i don't mind watching yeah it it's home, a weird one like it's great to watch football it's great to watch football in london you know live sports even yeah. bad live sports is a good experience, I think, particularly after the last 18 months yeah. or whatever. Mm. But I always just come away from it feeling a bit deflated. I don't know. I feel like that passion, that partisanship is what makes live sports so fun. And yeah, the intensity. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, they say it all the time, like that's the closest to a Super Bowl atmosphere you'll get. And it kind of is because people that go to the Super Bowl, there's a lot of people that aren't fans of either team but they're either in the raffle so it's an opportunity to go yeah. or you know corporate or whatever yeah yeah there's <laughs> loads of money but um <laughs> and it is in that way it's similar to the super bowl but there isn't the intensity so especially if you get a blowout and thankfully the jets made it a little closer than it really should have been but yeah they needed to yeah they needed to that that game watching the first half of that game uh -oh. it felt like it was going to be 25 nothing and the falcons just run the clock out yeah. and just get Do you know i'm super glad because i missed the first quarter because of another sport and i switched over and nearly turned it back off because i was like ah christ this is just going to be a blowout like got things to do yeah uh, and i'm really glad i stuck it out because they actually made it a game and that was that was really fun and it was nice to like see carl pitts step up like yeah. my general general thought on the falcons is that they're going to be better because of not having their starting two receivers that last week because they've got a win where they've finally got Kyle Pitts 
often moving and, and then some, you know, Involved. nine nine receptions in that game compared to nine that he'd had all season previously. Over 100 yards, doubles his yardage for yeah. the season, gets his first NFL touchdown. They also use Lee Smith a couple of times, which just shows another little bit of a dynamic in the backfield. They got Mike Davis a running touchdown for the first time this season as well. And kind of the run game wasn't great, but they also utilized Cordell. Uh, Cordero Patterson as well showed that he, he, is, uh, he can do back-to-back games of being like a versatile, weird running back wide receiver. So then if yeah. you take the chemistry and cohesion that they've had and everybody talks about getting a win or even just going to London, the additional kind of bonding that it can create even over just a couple of days in the team and then get back to Atlanta and put in Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley back into that offense. Now there's a bit more of a connection with a few other people. It might take a bit of pressure off Calvin Ridley it might make Matt Ryan look more to Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts as well. It might then release some of the coverage on double coverages on Calvin Ridley as well. It may just get them kind of clicking a bit more and get that offense moving slightly better as well. If we're going to be overly positive about it, it could also just end in tears. Calvin Ridley comes back in and still doesn't have a hundred yard game by the time we get to like week eight. But And we have to remember they beat the right. lowly Jets with Zach Wilson yeah. stinking up for and a it's half. Like- <laughs> so let's not get ready to do <laughs> they go to the big game jazz i don't know what you're on about <laughs> and the london games are different i mean we've talked about it from an atmosphere point of view but the players say it's different it brings you a slightly different thing you know the adrenaline the bonding a lot of people are like oh my god it's london <laughs> is that going to carry back is matt ryan going to go back <laughs> and get out of this slump and stop being average well, I mean, he's he's going back with a brand new AC Milan shirt and a hug from his favourite British journalist at the uh, pre- at the press conferences. So you know, Matt Ryan's probably going back thinking, "I got a win, a shirt, and and a friend for life, and right a friend there, for life. I can hug, even though I'm not meant to touch or go near any other journalists." Yeah, and he sat there on the plane like, "Where did it all go so wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> God, that English guy was weird. It's like he's been stalking me for seven, eight years. Yeah. Very odd. Oh well, at least we're. 3,000 miles from him now. Um, and we've got the Jags against the Dolphins <coughs> this week. So that's that's another... That should be that's a another f- game. great game to watch. Tune in on TalkSport 2 from uh, 2 o'clock. Kick off at 2.30, of course. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we do get duff games in England. Still. I'm excited for that one. Yeah? Talk do you to know me. what? Tell me. It's really? a lot of young potential talent into a... It's a lot of young talent. You know, we've got some interesting... And honestly, sometimes those games where you've got two shit teams with nothing to play for produces some classics. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I said last week, it's not about whether they're equally as good at each other. Maybe they're equally as bad. It's just as good a game because it, instead of it being a two powerhouses cancelling each other out, it's yeah. two dumpster fires creating a massive, huge bonfire. I suppose if you take bonfire. two burning skips and throw them down a hill collision at the end of it is going to be pretty big and emphatic and could be like a raging fireball so in that sense yeah that kind of <laughs> i think you've got two bad defenses yeah that makes entertaining games and two not great offenses uh, uh, yeah, yeah i think like you said they're not great offenses they're terrible defenses they're both going to be a bit hyped up it's an opportunity for them both to get a win particularly for jacksonville like they've got to be looking at this like this is our London's yeah. our second home. It feels like they were saying on the um, around the NFL podcast, which is I say last week. I don't like to quote too much, but here I go again with it. Of how the number of Blake Bortles jerseys they were seeing around even the game last week, he was like, "It's insane." 
people went out and bought that jersey in droves in England. And it was one of the highest selling jerseys on NFL UK, which at the moment, the top five selling jerseys this season for NFL Shop UK. Can you give me any idea of who you think it would be? Trevor Lawrence. Kyler Murray. Nope, nope. Trevor Lawrence is number two. Tom Brady's number three. Mac Jones is number four. And Lamar Jackson is number five. And the top selling jersey in the UK going into last week of the whole season is Zach Wilson. What? (laughs) (laughs) That would explain... That would explain why every time the Falcons came out, they got booed it's like 50, so heavily by the people crowd. Went, we'll all buy this. We're all going. Let's do this. Yeah. Very weird. That's unbelievable. So did you think this Jacksonville thing is working <laughs> in terms of their second home? Because the idea was that they would do this over a long period. Younger kids that are being introduced to the NFL would naturally become Jacksonville fans because they can see them play. Is that playing out? Yeah. To a point, I think also it helps if that that year that they would have had the Blake Bortles jersey flying off the shelves yeah. would have been the year they went to the AFC Championship game behind that stellar defense, yeah. which is nothing to do with Blake Bortles, but because he's the quarterback, well, I want the mm-hmm. quarterback. Sure. Yep. <laughs> For a while, yeah. I'm gonna get much. one Steelers ticket. <laughs> well, it's not hard to have it sticks in the minute. <laughs> it feels bad laughing at them because it's like laughing at yeah. someone who who's just injured their Taking leg and you're laughing at how down. they're walking. Yeah. Talking of He's walking, like that, the pace yeah. of Ben Roethlisberger at the moment <laughs> is basically walking pace right now, right? I think, yeah. I think it works for Jacksonville. A, with the number of jerseys that you see, obviously there were a lot of Bortles, but you do see a fair few other Jacksonville bits of merch and jerseys around the place. And I do think new fans come into the However, game that go to those London games quite a lot do start to buy into the Jacksonville thing quite a bit. Not to an extent that it like changes your team that you support, but I think yeah, new fans do start to see like, oh well, they come a lot. There's a chance to see them. I do, and the NFL does push Jacksonville quite a lot on the UK. Like I know, for instance, for like some of the live commentary rights, if you want six and nine o'clock on radio, you have to be broadcasting. I think it is the Jacksonville games as well at some point, which is why like they don't get touched. I think by some of the radio people because it's like we don't necessarily want to be tied into doing Jacksonville all the time. We want to do the best game as opposed to the Jacksonville game. But they want to push Jacksonville on the English market. And um, and Sky have got a Jacksonville show every week. A Jacksonville oh, really? update. Have you seen that? Sky Sports NFL has got a Jacksonville so why don't you think show it's every week. Uh, mostly because when you walk around the stadium, there's just a plethora of every jersey of every team from every era. And you see just the most irrelevant jerseys of all. The worst one I saw at the weekend was a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey. Oh my God. We're not here to watch ice hockey. You tap him on the shoulder, mate. So you might as well have saw a Lakers LeBron shirt for all we saw. It didn't make any sense why he was doing that. So I, I think the idea that that's working is a bit misplaced in the sense of, granted, making people come to the games and selling some jerseys, great, but if you step a team there, I don't know if the fan base would be as locked in. You'd have what we've said before. Those home games will become not home games for the Jaguars. It'd be like the Chargers games at the minute where the Chargers don't have their fans there. It's an away team game, so all the people from their other teams are coming in and making it's noise. It's an age instead. thing though, isn't it though? Because like, I'm not going to support stop supporting the Raiders because the Jags are playing in London, right? But oh, that's true. you imagine yeah. a younger kid who's getting into the NFL now would go for the Jaguars because they've got a much higher chance of seeing them regularly. 
And so I think it's that long-term thing then. You know, we're talking 10 years when these sort of 10-year-old, 11-year-olds that started are in their 20s. Are we then seeing a big influx of Jag fans at these games? Mm. Yeah, and that's going to be the test. 10 years time, we'll wait and see. Uh, But they have been... Mm. As I say, the, the, the number of Jacksonville paraphernalia just increases every year it's not like yeah yeah it, one year you'll see five thousand bottles jerseys the next year there will be seven there's a visual obvious increase in the amount of jacks so in that sense i do think as a, as we say i do think it is working for them they've been coming since 2013 so it's almost been 10 years since the jags first kind of stepped foot on the european shores and tried to sell it the interesting one is now is that germany's coming and germany the London yeah. games are now in a battle with Germany to be the top place to watch NFL in Europe. And it's going to be, Germany's going to be a bright new thing, albeit the two of the proposed grounds are quite small from what I've gathered. Uh, they're not Which like the big grandiose soccer stadiums, I don't think. So it's not like Allianz or anything. Oh, yeah, so like I can't remember stadium, off the top of my head. Exactly. Yeah, so it's not going to be, I don't think it's there, the planned venues. But you... But like, like for Cologne instance, or like a that. weekend in Munich and then watching the NFL would be an absolute riot, even for British people to travel to. Mm. Especially the October thing I think well. with Germany that was will be interesting to me is the difference between Britball and their semi-pro leagues. So Germany have a very strong amateur semi-pro setup. Semi-pro is semi-ti-pro? he? Was he? Wasn't he the cowboy in Looney Tunes? <laughs> semi-pro. <laughs> yeah, he's semi sam <laughs> That semi-pro thing is big there. So similar to Scandinavia, have got a very strong one. Germany have a semi-pro setup. They skim a lot of talent from universities and kind of younger players in Britball, and they take them over there. You can get paid. You get put up in these places. You get to see a level of football that you don't in the UK. So they get fans to those games. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like they charge tickets. They get fans. It's like lower league football levels, but they're getting fans regularly showing up for that semi-pro level. So mm. if you start shocking in the NFL yeah, on top good. of that, I think it's going to be huge. Interesting. I didn't know there was that sort and of setup you, there. And you go, that's you go a potential back to game at the NFL there, Europe it? days. The place which had the most number of teams in NFL Europe was Germany. The Rheinfire, yeah. Hamburg Sea Devils, Frankfurt Galaxy, Cologne Centurions, Berlin Thunder. That's like half the league was based yeah. in Germany. And I, I mean, I've been stuck in Germany when a plane couldn't get me back after a Saturday covering boxing to try and get back for an international game on a Sunday. And the whole plane was decked out in NFL jerseys of people that weren't going to be able to get to that international game. Like, it's a huge contingent that comes across. When Seattle were here in the UK, there was a huge mob, like loads of German fans in London that weekend because they've got a huge following Seattle in Germany. It's it's a potentially a, an easier place to get to for a lot of people in Europe because it's obviously a bit more central on the main continent as opposed to the UK. But the UK is the travel hub, which is a big thing for them. But as I say, now it's a competition for the London games to be better than the Germany games. Is it though? Well, I don't know initially, but I think that you look at the people that travel from Europe into the London games and how difficult tickets are to get for the London games. Like I tried this year and couldn't get them. Mm. And yeah, well, I should tell Lewis. Felt real good about that. Thanks, buddy. Um, (laughs) So you kind of get into that and think that if those guys aren't traveling, 
does it just work better for us because it's going to make it easier for people in the UK to get to those games. That's yeah, fair. That might make, that, That's a fair point. But in terms yeah. of, and I know this is getting way down the line and I hate normally talking about this idea, but of a franchise coming to Europe, like the, the Tottenham Stadium is a game changer for that. I was down there again this, this week. It is unbelievable. It feels when you're inside like you're in an NFL stadium in the US. Like without a doubt, it's the closest that Europe will come to having that feeling with a modern stadium. And that is a huge one for potentially yeah. that pull 5, 10, 15, if it ever happens. But if Germany picks up and pops off more, it's not as much of an ask for sending a, a plane load of NFL players to Germany over London. So I saw a plan some time ago that they were planning to add a new NFC division, a new AFC division. And that they were going to open one up in North America so they could do Canada, Mexico and another team or two in uh, in America. And then the other one would be based in Europe. So you have one in London, one in Germany, one in Scandinavia and then one in one of the other big markets. Obviously, Ireland's pretty popular. Um, American football there. Same with Holland. So it could just be that they're going for that grander plan and they're starting to try and open up the other markets in in Europe. So rather than us having one franchise in Europe, we may end up with four teams in Europe. Yeah, yeah. that be that would be smart and sensible. But then you get into a perhaps the oversaturation, like the overexpansion of I I don't know. Like Major League Soccer's seen it; they've expanded, got too many teams now, and the quality is very much spread thin. If you add another eight teams into the NFL, that's around, what, like 400 more players. And college football has a lot of depth to it, obviously. And there are a lot of good players or potential players that don't get picked up, don't get drafted. Careers are short in the NFL. But also the best thing about the NFL is, as we were talking about why it's so difficult for young quarterbacks coming into the league, it is the very, very, very best. Like there aren't many that slip through the cracks because the scouting network isn't there or anything like that. And you've got to sell them to stick them in Europe or Mexico. But doesn't it open up a little bit when you look at that? So you think about things like the Filton Pride mm-hmm. and the way that they're sending kids to college ball now. And is it FA Abada? Yeah. You know, those kind of players. It's, there, if we've got franchises here that scouting network opens up into Europe and you can go out and find kids that are playing Filton Pride at 15, 16, playing against American high schools in Europe. And potentially that helps you fill out that that gap. Let me tell you now, after being at that international combine this week, n- no, at the moment. <laughs> but how old were the kids there? At the moment, uh, yeah, but yeah, having said that, like kind of yeah, but the thing older. that Yogi's saying though, it's a very fair point because if you do that and open it up and you have players who would otherwise play rugby, for example, who've got all the physicalities and all the traits you'd need to be ex- excellent at a certain sport, think actually, you know what, I could do the, I could go play American that football transi- instead and by doing that, but you've got you that the chance to learn other so stuff. offering kids scholarships to go to Filton College and play American football. And they play against right. either touring high schools or high schools on army bases in the in in Europe, which there's hundreds of. Yeah, yeah. But it, Jazz, the other thing is, if yeah. so, there, I mean, there's a load of stuff, and there's a, somebody I want to get on our podcast uh, at some point who's like a sports psychologist. Who we had a, about three hours of in-depth conversation about this kind of 
is it easier to build the body or build and manipulate the mind after the neurons have been kind of set in stone of this is how I play the sport. Like Christian Wade, and we'll, again, we'll chat with Phoebe about this as well. He has everything in terms of a running the ball game to be able to succeed because of rugby. But picking up pass pro is like learning another language to him, apparently. Like it's 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 just the, oh yeah, it's can, so can, difficult. Yeah. Like there will be players that have played rugby before, and that helps a bit more with the transition to American football. But there's so much of a sports mental science element, I think, around rebuilding the brain to be prepared for American football. That is, there are so many other unique elements to it. It's um, I. Th- I think it's always going to be far better if you've got people that have played from a young age rather than... That's the key, though. Yeah. You know, what they want to do is open that up to younger kids because, you know, Christian Wade had played rugby for 20 years. So, yeah, yeah, he's ingrained in him, yeah. Yeah, whereas you get a 14-year-old and you can make them think, actually, I'm not going to go and play mini rugby. I'm going to play flag flag football. You know, I'm not going to go and play under 16s Colts. I'm going to go and play football. And that's where you start to generate that kind of talent pipeline from Europe. God, it'd be really good if Dave can't do it next yeah. week as well. And we can get this sports psychologist and Phoebe as a coach and the psychologist on with yourself and I, Jazz. And then we can have a nice four-way conversation. Oh, so I'd love Dave, that. if you're listening, what uh, well, on Friday, if you get... Yeah, if you're unavailable, don't, don't available. worry about it. We've got it covered. It's fine. We've got people. Um, let's quickly do the bets, Jazz, because I know you need to get off and spend some time with the ladies. Yes. yes. So the only reason stuff. I'm here is the gambling. <laughs> so, actually, I, I, I want to start. I want Yogi to start. Did you, do you um, do a 16 bet yourself? I normally do the full sweep, but I am, I am going to do a 16 bet oh. for you guys here. Okay. Well, uh... okay. So, we'll, we'll yeah. go around and you, we'll come back to you then. So I'll start us off the way. So I've got the Jaguars plus three and a half against the Dolphins. I, I'd like the Jaguars to win the game, but I just don't mm. trust it because of being in London. The Packers minus four and a half against the Bears. I was surprised to see the Chargers were underdogs against the Ravens. So I've taken the Chargers. I've taken the Panthers against the Vikings. Bounce back game after Hurts beat them. I was also surprised to see the Cardinals were underdogs against the Browns. Oh, is that so weird? Yeah, I had I to take the that. Cardinals. Yeah. And then the Kansas City Chiefs and the Washington football team, I've taken under 55 and a What's half What's that got yards. you? Half yards? Money. Points. And it got me to nice. 79 I mean, that's a very believable return potential. I'm into that. Uh, we're kind of similar, actually. Um, yeah. So I'm going... I'm also going to bet on the early game in London and see what... Obviously not Thursday night football. That's a pointless bet. That's over. <laughs> Well, I've, last yeah. three times I've as done long it. As you're betting it, on Tampa so Bay whatever. tonight, that's fine. Or Tampa to cover the spread, or yeah. anything that Philadelphia won't be able to do. Uh, but I'm. I, see, I still, I can, I, you can see an upset. You can see them I not covering the spread as well, for sure. Even with the win last week, but I am going with the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> with the money line. I'm going to take the Trevor Lawrence gets his first win in London. Kyle Pitts got his first touchdown. Lawrence upgrades him with his first win, and Urban Meyer's first win as there well. You go. And he's going to have. A fun time in London before he gets that late flight home on Monday without the team. I am taking the Bengals to cover the spread at minus 3.5 against the Detroit Lions because I like Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and I don't Mm -hmm. like anything the Lions are throwing at me at the moment. They're lingering. They are annoyingly lingering, but I like. They've been a a last minute field goal away from two. Look good, feel good, play good. Tiger stripes, baby. 
Uh, I am taking the Vikings, though, against the Panthers because I trust okay. the Vikings every time and they keep... It's a coin flip game. And they keep and the biting me behind as well, game. so surely one week it has to be good. Uh, I'm taking the Chargers uh, for the money line against the Baltimore Ravens. I'm taking the Cowboys to cover the spread of 3.5 against the New England Patriots. I'm buying into what the Cowboys are selling at the moment, even though I do not like it. And I am taking the Houston Texans at plus 10 against the Indianapolis Colts. Because I don't trust the Colts and the Texans have been okay at times this year. It's just when Tarot Taylor went out. So that's got me 89.89 to 1. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. good. All right, Yokes. Oh, it's Dave's out. Read Dave's out. Oh, I have ignored yeah. that message. Oh, good. I'll I'll just bring it up then. Oh, I've got it. Here we go. So Dave is going with the Denver Broncos money line over the Raiders. So he's really playing into you know showing some love to our guests. He's lost. <laughs> he's taking the Jags to beat the Dolphins. <laughs> he's taking the Bengals to beat the Lions. He's taking the Giants at plus nine point five against the Rams, which I do not like that. That's, that does not seem sensible. Uh, the Bills at minus 5.5 over the Titans, which again, that could easily turn into the Titans' slow grinding drives. And yeah, I don't know about that. And he's taking the Cowboys over the New England Patriots. And that's got Dave the big haul, Jazz, of £32.96 to it. one. Yeah. So he's gone with a bet that I don't think is as good as either of ours, yet it's getting him less of a return. And lower odds. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's Mr. Block wow. in his place. He's really just come back on the podcast. He, I think he takes less flack when he's not here, or at least he can defend himself. And then <laughs> yeah. he has, and then he writes a yeah, he defends himself more, or he, or he just a, ignores it and then changes the subject. That's usually what he when does. he's away, and then doesn't bring them up on the podcast because he realizes that he'll get shouted down again. But all right, Yokes, what are you giving yeah. us for a uh, little six-team acker? Okay, so I've gone for Jags in the early game. Smart. Said I'm excited about that one. I like the look of it. Uh, I've gone for the Seahawks on plus 5.5 over the Steelers. Mm. Interesting. Geno yeah, Smith I did look pretty the good. Steelers are a dumpster fire, man. And <laughs> I think they're going <laughs> to... Well, I'm not going to argue. Um, I've taken the charges one. over the Ravens. Uh, straight money line. Uh, Packers over the yep. Bears. Uh, minus five. Okay. And Cardinals over the Browns on the money line. And that brings me in one, two, three, four, five. And I've missed one. So that's a great that's good. start. It's all right. Numbers are really difficult, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Raiders over Broncos on the on the handicap. Oh, smart. Um, I'm backing them. You know, you fire your coach, there's a bounce back. It happens every time. <laughs> it's going to happen this time. <laughs> So I'm back in that. It's my boys. I pick the Raiders pretty much every time anyway. Um, that's coming in at 73.3. So, How's yeah. that Raiders picking the Raiders every think, week th- going for you in your gambling? Does it uh, pay off? I've lost one. I mean, one season went on pretty Raiders. well. So far, sorry, this season on the Raiders. And that was... No, I've lost two. How many games have we lost? <laughs> Two. I've bet on us on both of those. <laughs> <laughs>